Inside Situation, a bi-weekly podcast where we share with you some of the conversations we're having inside the agency with our coworkers, our clients, and our partners. I'm Peter Yajisic, Director of Technology and Situation, and joining me back from vacation, one of our account supervisors, Lauren Bailey. Hello, Lauren. Hi, Peter. Welcome back. Thank you very much. How was your vacation? It was great. I was in St. Augustine, Florida. Nice. Were you on the beach? Yes. You don't mind it when it's 100 degrees when you're on the beach, so it's fine. <laughs> awesome. Well, we're so glad you're back. We missed you last time. Uh, and we also have a very special guest with us today on the podcast, president and founder of Situation, Damian Bazadana. Hello, boss. How are you guys? Great. Thanks so much for joining us. This is going to be a high-rating episode, I can tell. I'm very, very, very excited. Uh, well, good. We're doing something a little bit different this, this week on the podcast. Uh, we're actually going to play for you guys an interview that Damien had with a mystery guest whose identity we've masked to protect the innocent. Uh, the topic of the conversation was data storytelling and why we think it isn't always given the scrutiny it deserves by producers and marketers. Damien, why did you want to have this conversation for the podcast? Because I think the idea of uh, effectively interpreting data and insights is probably one of the single biggest issues I hear that live event producers are having. They're getting numbers from all different points and places, and I think just this topic is a monstrous one for them and trying to use data to better impact their business um, and just get a better grip of it. So what better way of doing that than finding someone who works on the front lines uh, as a data storyteller, and I wanted to get their take on it. And you wanted to disguise their identity because? I think anytime you disguise someone's voice, you give them a certain uh, freedom of speech, which I think is very important on this topic. Anything that has to do with talking about financials or uh, any, any type of data analytics and financials that could be interpreted in different ways, I think the freedom to discuss that topic is, is critical to get to some sense of honesty on the topic. If we ever do a live version of the podcast, we'll all have to wear sleep no more masks. Yes, we'll have yes. guests. <laughs> uh, great. Well, without further ado, why don't we listen to that conversation? Um, we, the three of us, will be back after the conversation to tell you what we don't think you should miss. But uh, here we go with the interview with Damien and our mystery guest. So we had an event on this topic, uh, storytelling through data, not too long ago uh, with the fantastic folks at the Rubin Museum. Uh, and I sort of, after the event, I started out, um, I wanted to speak to someone on the front lines who literally serves as a data storyteller, someone on the front lines that has to sit with producers uh, and business owners and, and essentially talk to them about how data is impacting their business. Uh, specifically, I wanted to talk about those in the live event and ticketing space. So uh, I was able to track somebody down who is here with me right now. Uh, who has significant experience of sitting in the front of the room and having to present on these topics. Uh, they are no longer in the business, but I still, for their protection uh, and uh, for them to speak freely on the topic, uh, I'm actually scrambling their voice for the sake of this interview. So with that said, uh, let's rock and roll. Um, so my first question, as someone sitting uh, or having sat on the front lines, do you believe senior leadership in the live event space, ticketing businesses and the like, do you believe that they use the data that they are being given effectively in running their production? So I think there's, uh, there's two aspects to this. One is, uh, you know, are they being used, are they using the data that they're being given effectively? And then the answer to that, I, you know, I want to say that 70 to 80% of the time, 
you know, I want to say the answer is yes. Um, you know, there's, there's lots of producers that hold off on making decisions, um, particularly when the data is telling you that, uh, you know, sales are pretty dire and you need to take some drastic action now that they hold off on making those decisions too long. But the, the, the other question, the second question I would ask here is, um, you know, are they being shared the right data? Are they looking at the right data when making these decisions? And, uh, that's the place that I think that both the storytellers, the data storytellers need to improve on and, um, leadership needs to, uh, you know, get a little stronger at asking the right questions. So there are shows where, uh, you know, you're completely sold out of inventory a lot of the time or close to it. And those are the instances where dynamic pricing and inventory management um, becomes the, the data story that you want to examine on a day-to-day basis. But more often than not, um, shows are in the place where they're not hitting their capacity overnight. And the question is, how do we hit, uh, how do we sell more seats in order to, uh, you know, to hit our revenue goals. And in those instances, I think they need to start asking more questions about higher funnel metrics. So not just how many tickets are we selling, but how many people are searching for tickets? How many people are hitting our website? How many people are talking about our uh, brand on social media? And that's uh, that's an area of improvement that, that I'd like to see in the next few years. So I'm in the camp. Uh, I think you hit on a very important point. It's this idea of like, obviously, there, the data is everywhere. So there's there's thousands and thousands of data points. Uh, and your point is, is essentially which data points and which, which insight is actually making it to the producers to make a smart decision, which I, I think is one of the biggest lacks in the marketplace right now. Um, what kind of data stories, when I say data stories, I'm essentially saying, I'm saying the obvious here, but using data and insight that you have in hand to tell a, a business story to a client, what are the kind of data stories that resonate best with senior leadership? And, and, and the reason I want to focus on senior leadership is I think that's really, I'm imagining there are a fair number of people on the front lines who are like, yeah, yeah, I get it, I get it, and they're diving into numbers. But senior leadership has a lot of things on their mind. They've got creative processes. They have all these different components, which makes it very difficult to kind of absorb some of this. Are there types of stories or types of formats or types of things that you think resonate best with senior leadership? And if so, why? A couple, a couple aspects. One is the simpler the story, the better. Um, I can't tell you how many times I've seen analysts, you know, take what should be a really simple story and and uh, muck it up with uh, really complex, segmented ways of viewing the data. Lots of caveats and um, you know, and thens and thens, diving deeper into that the data than they need to. Um, they end up confusing the the point more than driving home what they're really trying to communicate. So simplicity is one aspect. And then the other aspect, it's true, uh, particularly in commercial live entertainment, is there needs to be uh, some immediate, clear action point. Um, you know, at the end of the story, there should be a, a so what. It's, it's what exactly can I do, can, what action can I take um, from this information that it's, that's going to improve uh, the sales performance of my show. And, you know, when you only lots of, lots of cases we're looking at um, brands that only have six weeks to turn sales around before uh, before they're in deep trouble. You know, they really are looking for that quick fix. So the more immediate and actionable, the better. Are there, you know, in, in when I it started in the business, it was like I'd see an agenda, there'd be a two hour meeting. And on the agenda, I'd see that we'd be the last 15 minutes of the meeting. And I'd say to myself, 
there is no way I'm going to get the attention of this room to actually pay attention to what I'm about to talk about. Do you feel like, you know, through your experiences, did you feel like the sales conversation had the appropriate time in a meeting to get kind of past some of those common roadblocks you'd probably face? Like, did you feel like, what, what's your take on that? Just in general, like, is there a, a time, a place in the presentation, size of the room, folks in the room? How do you get, what are the ways to get past some of the common roadblocks to get these data stories to resonate? Placing uh, ticketing and sales data updates at the start of any presentation um, has always been most successful in, in my experience. It just sort of sets the tone for, okay, whatever we're here to talk about, whether it's uh, marketing, advertising, whether it's um, you know, general management and the business aspects of, um, of the production, setting the tone by saying, okay, here's where we are, here's what, where our goals are, and here's where you know, the next 10 weeks are netting out at least sets the tone for, um, for everything that's set to follow. Do you, and this, this may be a, a sort of an uncomfortable question. Um, you know, we're at a business in the, the live event business where I don't even know what the stats are, but let's just say a very, very high majority um, do not prove out to be commercially successful productions. How often did it come up when, you know, you were in a position where you had data in hand um, but we're intimidated to share it for one reason or another. And, and when I say data, I just mean like a financial data or something that clearly leaned towards something in which you just felt like, I just don't feel comfortable saying this out loud, but you were likely one of the very few people in a room of 30 people in which you had this data. Uh, all the time would be the short answer to that. Um, I mean, you're constantly censoring yourself, um, Keeping, you know, one, because no one wants to be the bearer of bad news. Uh, you know, you're keeping in mind the story that, you know, is going to resonate with the listener. Um, and, uh, and I think that's part of being a good storyteller. Um, you know, but to another part, I think, is, is recognizing when you have a story that's too important to, to censor, to not say. And that's uh, figuring out how to communicate that, how to effectively drive that point home is, is a key part of that. Um, you know, I can't tell you how many rooms I've been in where the scenario is the same. Uh, everyone can tell from looking at these these weeks out figures that that we're in deep trouble, and we we all know from experience and can back it up with historical data if necessary that uh, you know no amount of um, nothing in the in the marketing plan coming up or no big campaign moments, no um, you know Tony Award for for set design, you know. God bless the set designers, but it's, it's not going to move the needle. Um, you know, a, a mediocre review from a lesser-known publication isn't going to move the needle, so you want to get down to, okay, what can we actually do? What have we actually seen in the past that's worked to take a show from where it is right now in the sales landscape to where we need to be to keep this running? Are there, are there uh, particular traits uh, in, specific, in, in certain types of producers that – that try that understand the situation that you're in and try and set you up into a platform to speak freely. So like, in other words, like, I mean, I, again, a, a fair number of people usually, I think sometimes people are, they know the facts, but they have to work through those facts to, that's just the position that they're in. Um, but I feel like I, I've recognized, I've worked with a lot of producers over the years. And I know some are really good at kind of nurturing the room that to essentially say, say how you feel, say what you see, be honest with me, don't candy coat it. Um, are there, do you have any feelings on types of producers or people you might have seen in the past you feel like are just better at it than others in a certain style? 
Yeah, I've definitely worked with producers in, that kind of run the gamut um, in that sense. Uh, lots of rooms where it's really, um, you want to treat everyone with kid gloves and you know that this person is really, truly invested in the project. And um, it's, you know, they've poured, whether it's their heart, their soul, their own money, or just the investment of time into a project that everyone treads very, very lightly. Um, on the other hand, there are producers that are much more successful at, at separating what energies they put into us and what dedication that, uh, they feel towards the product from the reality of the business scenario. Um, and this comes from you know, more experienced producers who know the, uh, the industry stats inside and out. They know what, uh, you know, what percentage of shows succeed and fail. They know what, uh, you know, having an advance of, you know, X hundred thousand dollars heading into first preview means, and they know that doesn't mean anything good. And, uh, you know, what needs to happen in order to change things from there. I think it's having the understanding that the people uh, sitting across from you often have the answers if you're willing to step out and ask the right questions, if that makes sense. Yeah, it, it does. And I think that I feel for producers in many respects because I feel like they're being, you know, they're bombarded with data points, right? There's so many different ways to look at the data points and they got to come from all different angles and they're trying to keep an open ear to everything. Um, have you ever seen, uh, do you ever see examples where you have heard or saw others, uh, what I'll say, manipulate data to tell a story that you have disagreed with the analysis? Uh, lots of times, and uh, truthfully, it's, it's so easy to, to craft the stories to, to be told the wrong way if, um, you know, if you're not digging deeper into what are actually happening with trends. You know, you can say, well, this week's uh, attendance was up 5% from last week, and it was... Uh, you know, ATP was up 3% as well. But if you're looking at the 10-week trends, you know, let's say we're, we're in the middle of September and it's still pretty bad. There's, there's always a way to spin the story to sound better than it is. Um, and I've seen lots of people you know, take advantage of that to try and get them out of tough conversations. Um, you know, another example that this always makes me think of is the kind of tradition um, on Broadway for the day after opening um, to save all your uh, all your reserve groups and process them all in the day after you open to artificially inflate wraps and you get to um, you know get a great news story with uh, how many millions of dollars you wrapped the day after a performance um, again not at all malicious just really going for um, a, a tangible outcome which is being able to to get a big press hit out of something, but just the way how it's so, it's so easy to manipulate that story. Do you, do you think that, what are the measurements that you feel matter the most to those in a ticketing business uh, and which do you think might be focused on too much? And I understand it's going to depend on the show, but in, just in general, do you feel like there are certain measurements that you keep an eye on that is like the real indicator of the, you know, the pulse of, the, the, of this production versus ones that you feel like you spend all this time focus on. You're like, why am I spending so much time on this? Cause this really is not important. Uh, percentage capacity. Um, percentage capacity is going to be uh, key. And it's, it's my number one, the number one place I'll look first to gauge the health of a show. Um, because then that, that gives you a standardized look across, um, you know, across different theater sizes. It also, uh, 
at a glance informs you, you know, if, if you fall into one of those two categories, if you fall into a show where you have a hot ticket and you need to start looking at raising prices or, or adjusting prices to demand, or if you fall into that um, unfortunately more common camp, which is uh, we need to sell a lot more tickets and we can slice and dice the ticketing numbers until, uh, you know, until the end of the day. But ultimately, we just need to get more people interested in the show in general. Um, I think there's a little too much focus on ATP, average ticket price. Uh, I, I think that comes into play when you're in that former scenario where you're, uh, you're selling out every night. But when you're not at that place yet, you know, it's, it's, it's sort of a, uh, a red herring. Uh, I would also, um, the metric that I rarely see being used is looking at, um, you know, number of people searching for tickets, um, and then dropping off. What's the drop off rate segmented by price point, by performance time? How does that benchmark against the drop off rate for, for other shows, for other similar shows? Um, so that, that can give you, start to give you some insights into how consumers are responding to your price point and your, inventory availability um, a lot more than you know than you can without looking at that do you think that there is a um, how do we make some of these things turn to action right so is there a do you think there's a lack of let's say lack of talent but do you think that there's a, a lack of knowledge right and taking these points because you're making some really the data exists you go look at these points you could sort of say we can look at fallouts, drop at the fall, uh, fallouts, drop offs, all these different components at these like very targeted segments and like easy breezy, right? Like it's all there. We should figure it out and just go. Why doesn't it happen? Do you think? So if producers are making the decisions too late, the question is how far out can we determine that there's an issue we need to address and work backwards to fix it? Truthfully, making making a projection about sales four to six to eight weeks out isn't that difficult. There's going to be obviously a degree of accuracy, a degree, a degree of confidence, but, um, you know, it's not going to be the difference. It's going to be the difference between 75 to 85% of the capacity. It's not the difference between, you know, 50% and hundred percent, you know, you're going to be, you know, you either need to sell more tickets or you might be on track to, to be, uh, hitting your capacity level. So we need to start, uh, you know, as an industry gauging further out and taking, taking analysts' advice, probing them, uh, working through the methodologies until we feel confident in those projections, confident enough to take action earlier. And what that means um, that we need from the people who, who kind of monitor their, those uh, different levers, the discounts, the media, the group sales strategy, what that means is that they need to start um, backing out a little further to say, this is how far in advance you need to make this decision in order for it to matter. So there are uh, a gajillion data points, and it's pretty much often seen, uh, there's data is often seen as a vehicle to find answers to almost anything, right? Like you can pull this report or, hey, can you go pull this report and tell me this or tell me that? Do you have examples where you feel like people are seeking uh, a data answer to what might likely be a more human problem? Like you're, you're pulling a report, trying to get to something that you're just kind of instinctually sort of saying, you're not really going to the – either the answer sitting right in front of you guys or you're searching for something that, that data just isn't going to be able to answer. I think a lot of people with, uh, you know, uh, a data mindset, um, you know, a, a predisposition to analytics 
a lot of people who have that and who work in theater uh, inevitably come across, you know, start to question, is there a way to model out what makes a successful show? Um, it, you know, can I determine what the ideal combination of star casting and um, cast size and seasonality, when, when should my show come in? Um, title based on a movie, X, Y, Z. Can I add all those inputs together and figure out, you know, what's going to make, um, you know, the highest grossing show? I think I've seen, uh, you know, a few people try and work their way around this problem, this, this question. And, uh, well, I think it's a really interesting exercise, and I, there's a lot of stuff that can be directional there, especially when it comes to star casting. At the end of the day, the kind of the beauty of live entertainment and theater is that the most successful shows, which is, you know, what every producer aims to produce, are going to have some undefinable X factor, are going to, um, you know, cannot be constructed via a formula. And, um, and so while I think it's a useful exercise in some instances, you know, it's never, it's never going to be, um, no one's ever going to completely crack that equation. You know, that said, I'd, I'd love to find, meet the person who does. I'd love to uh, shake their hands, and I'd never discourage anyone from trying. Um, but I think it's worth embracing that uh, that human aspect of the theater, the fact that, uh, the, the, which is the aspect that makes these passionate producers want to produce in the first place, the, the uncertainty that they may have stumbled upon a big hit. And, um, you know, if they... If they prove themselves that it was them. It was they that took the risk on it. It wasn't pre, it wasn't, you know, predefined by the data. What's the best data story you've ever told or heard and, and, and why, like a moment where you're sitting there and you sort of watch this data, you either see the data firsthand and you're like, Oh my God, this is exactly how I felt. This is so clear as day. And I cannot wait to tell the story. Um, or you just act actually heard or saw, like right in front of you. What's the best one you've uh, you've ever heard? One of my favorite ones that I've um, you know done through through um, you know researching the Broadway League grosses. And you know, first and aside, uh, for anyone who doesn't um, you know regularly pour over the grosses and and for any data geeks who don't segment that information and. Uh, you know, look through it on a weekly, monthly basis to, you know, get a handle on how everything is performing. That is by far the most useful, uh, you know, store of data out there for people working in this space. Um, but one of the most interesting stories that I've told from using that data is, uh, you know, looking at the kind of, kind of the trajectories of, um, shows based up on the awards that they win, the, the Tony Awards that they win in particular. So you can look look back historically and say, okay, so if, if a musical wins Best Musical, how many, how much does that add to their grosses on average for the next, let's say, year? What if, about if they win Best Play, Best Actress in a Play, and you go down the list, and what you start to find is once you get past that Best Musical, and maybe sometimes one of the Best Actor or Actresses, if that's really the... Um, key selling points of the of the show. Once you get past those awards, you know, nothing really moves the lever at all. And so there's all these energies, um, you know, and sometimes marketing dollars going towards getting these awards. But at the end of the day, there's there's not going to be much ROI on that uh, on that effort in the long term. 
And so just, just helping to figure out where to prioritize your efforts. That was a real, uh, a real aha moment for me. We see our, you know, our producers and our clients we work with are like family. And, you know, I, a major part of our role is to sort of not, not simply protect them, but guide them with the knowledge uh, to succeed. And, you know, as a digital agency, we see kind of all these data points and all these insights and all these things kind of flooding into the market um, that are sort of being mixed with their decades of our clients, decades of just gut instinct experience. So you have the kind of mishmash of stuff kind of coming together right now in this marketplace. So, as, as, you know, it's kind of a parting question. Um, you know, with all this noise that's happening in the marketplace, you've got data storytellers and, and many of those are listening to this podcast and you have producers, those that sort of have to make the decisions from the data stories. What's your advice to those listening who are either data storytellers or all these producers in management uh, who want to find a way to make more data actionable in their business? Any parting advice you would give to either of those parties or just anything in general? For both parties, my answer would be the same. It would be um, spend more time and effort uh, figuring out what the right questions you need to ask are. Um, I see a lot of, of analysts uh, taking the data that they have access to or you know, the reports they've been running, the metrics that they've been, been paying attention to, and running those and trying to craft the story out of those rather than stepping back and saying, What's the business problem I'm trying to solve for? Is my data set um, the best possible um, source of information I can find to answer this question? Spend more time looking for the right data, making sure that you have access to that and that you're looking and understanding the data right. Uh, and less time, you know, paying minute attention to the minute-by-minute minute fluctuations in that data. Cool. So I just want to extend a very big thank you uh, to this anonymous person uh, who really uh, spent a fair time, amount of time with me right here talking through this and, and sort of giving an honest look at, at the marketplace. And my hope is that to the producers, uh, the storytellers, and those listening um, that you found this useful. So I, I, appreciate, I, I appreciate you coming and having a talk with me. Thank you. Great being here. And welcome back to our roundtable. Lord and I are still here with Damien. Uh, so, Damien, were you surprised by any of the answers from our mystery guest? Well, I thought the takeaway was just uh, it's pretty straightforward. You have to, as a, as a lead producer or any of the leadership in the room, you need to nurture a healthy environment from day one um, with the folks around you. I mean, it's like trust, you know, no, I always say you trust no piece of data you didn't crunch yourself. So I think it's all about having an environment in which people feel free and comfortable to truly speak their mind. And that starts from day one. Uh, and I think if you do that from the very, very beginning uh, and make an active effort to create that freedom, um, I think that that's the, to me, that's the, the huge takeaway, uh, more so than anything else. And uh, one of the things that our guest uh, mentioned was that it's possible to kind of create any story you want with data, uh, you know, both both positive, negative, you know, truthful and non-truthful. Uh, what, what do you think is, is the best piece of advice to kind of make sure that you are getting the real story or, or the most accurate picture that you can? Form a bond of trust in those that are telling you these data stories. And, and trust is earned. Trust comes over time. 
That's why I feel like if you start from day one, from the very, very beginning where you're using data way ahead of time, it's all about trust. You could take anyone can take any number and spin it a million different ways. So you have to have the person delivering that story, having your best intentions at heart and having the trust that they can be honest with you and you could be honest with them. That relationship is probably one of the single most important relationships you're going to, as a producer, have, particularly on the financial side uh, of the equation. So I just think that is it's so amazingly important. Excellent. So before we leave today, we want to go around the table and make a recommendation of one thing from each of us that we don't think you, our listeners, should miss. Lauren, why don't we start with you? What's, what's one thing that you would recommend? Uh, well, coming up there, it's called New York Summer Streets. Um, I'm a runner, so this makes me very excited. But they closed down seven uh, miles of uh, Park Avenue between Brooklyn Bridge and Central Park for runners, bikers alike, anyone that wants to join it. But uh, you get to run on the road instead of the sidewalk, so it's kind of exciting. And it's for three Saturdays, 7 a.m. to 1 p.m. Um, in August. That's very cool. Damien, what about you? What's one thing you don't think our listeners should miss? Well, uh- I've just found this donut place, which I didn't even know existed, but you may all know of. But it's in the, I think it's the Row uh, New York Hotel, which I think is on 44th and 8th Avenue. And you go into the hotel, you go up one floor, it's kind of hidden. You kind of go around this corner and you go up and then there's this donut paradise. And I would highly suggest you get a glazed donut. You then go find a seat. There's a bunch of seats in the lobby. And you close your eyes. And you eat this donut very slowly, and that essentially is paradise. Highly, highly suggest it. You look a little crazy, but you are truly in paradise. If if this was like a morning radio show, we'd have Homer Simpson queued up (laughs) saying, eating donuts. Uh, That's awesome. Oh, by the way, I think that it's called dough. D-O-U-G-H? Yeah, I think so. Nice. Uh, Well, my, my thing not to miss is actually an email newsletter. Um, that just started coming out within the last two months, I think. It's called The Broadway Briefing, and uh, it's a great daily read. You guys can sign up to, to subscribe to it if you want at broadwaybriefing.com. Uh, I'm not exactly sure who puts it out, but it's really well done. It's some gossip, some news, some updates, and uh, I think it's a really interesting example of how newsletters are kind of becoming the new blog slash the new Twitter, uh, and you know people are really getting excited about signing up for very interesting newsletters. So that's going to do it for us this week. I want to give a huge thank you to all of our listeners. We couldn't uh, do the show without you. We really appreciate all of your feedback. If you want to send us an email, you can to podcast at situation.nyc. We'd love to hear from you. I also want to give a huge thanks to our our staff here at Situation who helped put this podcast together, Kevin and Adam. uh, We really appreciate all of their hard work. Huge thanks to Lauren. Huge thanks to Damien and to our mystery guest, And uh, we'll see you next time on the podcast. Thank you so much. Mm